Welcome to the Wesley Word. We are going to be looking at, um, let's look at first, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses, uh, first five verses. Hear these words. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy for every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. That's our reading from Philippians. I spent some time over um, Christmas I spent most of my time here in this building, actually, um, and it looked a lot scarier uh, about a week ago and had some good help with folks demoing right after exam week. And so I appreciate folks that did that and then also came to help um, during uh, move back in and that sort of stuff. But I, the way the calendar kind of worked out as we shifted this Wednesday, um, I was able to, the first four weeks um, were open. And so they both sort of do a series. And I began thinking and praying, what, what should we talk about? God lay something on my heart. Where, where do we need to go? All right, I got four weeks. What, what should we do? And it was over around Christmas season, still trying to decide. And um, I love my Christmas music, my Christmas hymns. And I, it's also Christmas time. And so a lot of people are down. And I just kept hearing from folks, um, from family members, from friends, from parishioners, uh, from alumni who just seem to be going through it, right? just going through it. And at the same time, we're like rocking in church, singing joy to the world because Jesus is coming, right? And I was having this this imbalance this dichotomy of these people that are just going through it and then proclaiming at the top of our lungs joy to the world um, right Christ has come and and so where are we going and so it, it sort of led me I was, I was listening to some um, podcasts and some reading at the time and it brought me to Paul's letter to the Philippians his letter of joy and it's a letter of joy but Paul's also going through it and so it really kind of resonated with me stuck with me and so we're going to spend the next four weeks uh, looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians um, his letter of joy and getting into that. Uh, today we're going to look at uh, the first chapter, parts of it. Each week we'll look at a different chapter. So if you um, do some quiet time, want to start maybe, um, if you want to read uh, chapter one this week, read it every day. I'll read chapter two next week, three and four. Um, just four chapters there in that letter, but read through those. You can sort of follow along. Today's kind of, you know, fitting. It's going to be kind of syllabus day, Lord, intro into where we're at, and then we'll go deeper. And the goal, the next um, few weeks, and including today, every week, we're going to look at sort of two, um, two takeaways to sort of help you find joy, right? And particularly joy in the midst of adversity. It's really easy to find joy when everything is sunshine and rainbows, right? But how do we find joy even when it seems like the world is crumbling around us? You're like, Steve, this is supposed to be hopeful. We're excited, right? New semester. We all go through it sometimes, right? And so I want to give us tools on how can we find joy even in the midst of adversity. And the answer to that, too, is yes, we can find joy in the midst of adversity, Right? Um, so a little bit about the uh, letter to the Philippians. It was written um, around 60, 62 AD, somewhere in there. Um, Paul was probably imprisoned. We know he was imprisoned when he wrote this letter, but probably in Rome. Um, he had been shipped off over there. And, uh, but even though he's sitting in prison and writing this letter to the church after, while he's sitting in prison, he talks about joy or gladness or rejoicing 14 times in just these four short chapters, right? And... Um, he reminds us that you're going to have challenges in life. There's going to be troubles. Um, you're going to go through it. 
And Paul sort of boasts, he writes this, uh, this is second, we're going like all over scripture. Um, in 2 Corinthians, he wrote that before Philippians. And he's sort of um, talking about like, sort of like his um, resume of sorts, right? Because sometimes you got some sunshine pumpers talking about joy. And you're like, you ain't never gone through nothing. You don't know me. What you talking about, right? Paul kind of lays out his resume here. He says, I'm the better one, right? Because this is what I've done. This is 2 second, second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I've had far more imprisonments than you have. I've had countless floggings, often near death. He says, five times I've received from the Jewish folks 40 lashes minus one because they believed if you got hit 40 times, you would die. So the proper punishment, right, was 39, right? Hit him just enough so they kind of stay living, right? Uh, he went through that five times, he says. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. One, very nonchalantly, once I received a stoning, right? A little, you know, stoning there. Um, three times I was shipwrecked for a night and a day. I was adrift at sea, right? On frequent journeys in danger from rivers and dangers from bandits, danger from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, Danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, dangerous from false brothers and sisters. This dude has been through it, right? In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, without food, cold and naked. And besides other things, I'm under the daily pressure because of my anxiety for all these churches that keep screwing up and I got to write them letters, right? I added that last whole part, but he did say anxiety for all the churches. I felt it, man. I felt it, Pastor. I felt it, right? Uh, he says, who is weak? Am I not weak, right? He said, I've been through it. He says, if I must boast... I boast of the things to show my weakness because it makes God stronger, right? And he says, even in Damascus, the governor and the king came and was trying to get me and seize me, but I was let down through a basket in the window and escaped with my life. He throws out a brief resume in 2 Corinthians and saying, look, I've been through it, y'all. I've been through it. And this is prior, right, in that one letter. Now he's back and he finds himself in prison again in uh, Rome as he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And he's saying, Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so he lays out this resume, and he comes in here, and often, all right, Paul's been through a lot. He also talks later in different uh, uh, chapter later in 2 Corinthians. He also has some physical ailments that he's going through, probably from all those beatings, but like he's been through it, right? Um, and yet, and yet, he writes a letter of joy. He writes an epistle of joy, having gone through all that stuff. In the name of Jesus, he writes a letter of joy. Somehow, Somehow he does that. And so our goal is to figure out how we also live into that somehow. How is it, whatever it is that we're going through, how do we somehow find a pathway to joy, even in the midst of adversity, right? And I've read a lot, talked to a lot of folks, and, and heard different things. Um, and so I want to talk to you a little about Philippi and where that was as well, the church at, at Philippi. And sorry for all the stuff going on behind me. We're working on this night one, getting logistics down. Um, Paul first visits Philippi in about 52 AD. So this is about 10 years before he writes his letter of joy. And then you see this in Acts. You're going to read like Acts, uh, end of Acts 15, 16 is where we see um, the action happening, um, starting the church at Philippi. And he um, goes there with Silas and he's, he's, he baptized Lydia in um, a river while he's there. He cast out, this is a fun story, there's a fortune telling person who has demons around and he um, expels the demons because she was driving him crazy. And um, the people that owned her um, got mad. And so guess what? He ended up in prison. And so he and Silas are in prison. And if you recall from that story about midnight, um, they're not just sitting there like, woe is me. They're actually singing hymns and praising. And that's when a big earthquake comes. And again, um, Paul's like, look, I'm able to talk to all these guards. I wouldn't be here if I hadn't. Like, here I am in prison. I was able to convert these guards. And so he sees something good there. Um, so that's Philippians, and he has a great relationship with these folks. So much so 
that um, Ephroditus, who we'll see in chapter 2 and chapter 4 of Philippians, is someone that the community, Philippians, send out to Paul. He's in prison, and they send Ephroditus to him. Now, this isn't like, yo, we're going to the prison, let's just get in the car and go to Greenville. This was a six-week journey, probably, for Ephroditus to go from Philippi all the way to Rome and bring gifts and visit and hang out with Paul, right? Um, and then at one point in time, we find out as well that um, Ephroditus is like almost, like almost dies on the journey, but he still goes and he supports Paul, and then he takes a six-week journey back, holding this letter to the Philippians that we get to read here tonight, right? And here's, here's part, a couple, three things I want, I want you to hear tonight. Um, on, I want to focus on verses three through five real quick. And here, listen for how many times he talks about um, thankfulness and prayer in these, these first three verses um, opening the letter. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel for the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion the day of Jesus Christ. No overread, okay? But like four or five times in those two, three verses, he talks about prayer and talk about thanksgiving, right? Um, and we're going to get into this in a couple of weeks. This is sort of, again, um, a little primer, but he talks about in chapter one, so I want to mention it. But one of the things that's, one of the, two of the practices of joyful people, if you're going to get on a journey of joy, are prayer and gratitude. Prayer and gratitude are two of the practices that joyful people practice all the time, regardless of their circumstances. But that's coming in a few weeks, right? But what Paul is doing is he's thanking God for the for the Philipp, Philippines, for the Philippians. Um, he's thanking God for people like Timothy, who stayed with him um, in Rome as he was going through prison. He was thanking God in his prayers for Ephroditus, who took a six-week journey to bring him the good things and to support him all the way, right? What we're finding here in this letter, and the point one of, of how to I guess build a life of joy or find joy in the midst of adversity is to think about um, Paul's thankfulness here is he's thanking God for the people who have come to support him. He's thankful for Timothy. He's thankful for Ephrodite. He's thankful for the Philipp, for the Philippian church. Right? Point one, we get our joy from relationships. We find joy in the people that support us. We find joy in the way that we support others. Right? Um, and so the question I have on this point, this first point to think about as you think about how it is that you may be finding joy um, is who do you know? Who do you know right now? All right, take yourself out of the picture, but who do you know right now that could use some encouragement? Who do you know that could use some support at the beginning of the semester, whether it be a student friend, a family member back home or a friend back home? Who do you know that you could be a Timothy to? Who do you know that you could be an uh, Aphrodite to that is struggling, that is, been, that is going through it and could use some encouragement? And when we reach out, we bring, we give joy, right? So we're, it's like a give joy, choose joy uh, talk tonight. When you give joy, right, you give support, you give encouragement, you often find blessing in that, in that giving, right? And you're not giving just to receive. Like I'm trying to you know, help and support Emma. I'm not doing this so one day she'll like support me back, right? But in my giving, in my supporting, in my loving and encouragement, I will find blessing in that as well and some peace in there. So point one, who is it in your life that you, who's the Paul in your life that you need to find to give some encouragement? to give some support to. All right, think about two to three people this week that you can reach out to. Do a handwritten note, send a text, whatever it is that it may be. And sometimes you never know who these people are, right? Who, who they actually been doing. I remember um, during the pandemic, they're going to be saying this, like, we're going to be like 90 years old, y'all. We're going to be like, back in the pandemic. Um, 
I remember sitting at um, Blue Heron. I went to, I was like finally ready to go out to eat. Y'all know me, I was very skittish during the time. And um, this, this dude came up to me. I was like, whoa, back up, right? Um, he's like, he's like, Pastor Steve. And I'm like, what is, when someone goes to you and says, hey, Pastor Steve, and you don't know him, you're like, hey, right? And thankfully he led with, you don't know me. I was like, thank you, right? He's like, you don't know me, but. And he was like, we've never been to your church, but y'all started doing online church for the pandemic, right? Of course. And he said, we worship with you every single Sunday. And he said, seeing you on the camera and your messages and all this stuff has gotten us through these last six months. And this is not a brag about me, right? Don't hear this. But I'm serious. I see everybody going, ah. Um, <laughs> but this was a moment that I had tried to pastor through the pandemic. And, and we were sort of all spread out. But Clemson UMC was going through a whole lot of stuff. And I was feeling like I was like, I wasn't in prison with Paul, right? But I felt like I was going through it. And I was down the dumps and I was having a hard time getting through it. And that encouragement, that stranger did not have to, I did not know him, right? He knew me through the camera, um, but his willingness to come up and to simply give me some words of encouragement at that time meant the world for me and helped me get through the next few months of that, right? You never know when you reach out in support and encouragement what that could mean to someone. Our goal is to, is to support folks, to help, have them uh, be encouraged, um, because we don't, want them, we don't want folks to feel lonely. We want people to belong, right? That's part of what we have this community here for. That's one of us are better at, better at it than others, but we want to have a place where people can belong because we know that loneliness is an epidemic in and of itself that can hurt uh, folks and begins to distance people, right? All right, so, so point one, who is it that you need to reach out to? Who do you need to be supporting? Who can you be an Ephroditus or a Timothy to, right? As we seek joy. And again, quick disclaimer, um, We've talked about this before, I think, difference in joy and happiness, right? Um, happiness is like your circumstances matter and things are great. I said for a while, and I had to check, check my language. Um, I said one of the most joyous times of my life was in uh, Tampa at the uh, 2017 season when our national championship, when we completed that pass to Hunter Renfro at the very end. And I like cried like a baby and I was hugging strangers and I would have kissed anybody that came around because I was so excited, right? And it was just <laughs> incredible. Um, and I said, like, that was the most joyous moment in my life. That's not true. That was one of the happiest moments of my life, right? Because joy would have been if he'd have dropped that pass, I'd have been like, ah, I'm still content. I'd have been, no, I'd have been, I can't say in the, in the, this is say the church, right? Y'all know where I'd have been, right? Um, kind of like when the ball sailed over Trivian Thompson's house. Yeah, never mind. The previous year was bad, right? Joy, right? You find this, 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 this contentment. You find this, um, this deep sense of well-being that doesn't come from your circumstances, Instead, it comes from your convictions. It comes from your, your mindset um, of this idea that, that you belong to God, that God has claimed you, and that it will indeed be okay in the end, that God will make it okay in the end. Whereas happiness is this fleeting type of moment. Right? So first one, who can you encourage? How can you be a Ephrathitis or a Timothy? That dude needs, needs a better name. That's hard to say up here, guys. Um, the second thing, we look at Philippians uh, 1, 12 through 14. Hear these words real quick. And I'll get him on the screen for next week. He says, I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me, this is Paul, what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters have been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. Dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Right? What Paul's doing here, and this might sound simplistic, but it's a huge mindset shift to finding joy in the midst of adversity, in the midst of conflict, and when you're going through it. It's sort of this idea of, of 
where's the silver lining? Looking for the good in life, looking in the good. How can, asking yourself the question, how can God bring about good in the midst of this adversity? Because in every time that we're going through adversity, there is also opportunity. There's also there's opportunity in every time of adversity. I think back, um, and we'll, we'll keep the pandemic rolling for now. Not like in real life, but it's, it's stories, right? Um, I was talking to uh, uh, some friends the other day, and again, I'm in a different stage of life. I get that. But like April 2020, it was probably one of the best months of my life in the last 10 years, right? Because the only people that I was there with were my person, Julie. Coleman and Finley were just that perfect age where like they like us and they love us and they didn't want to go see their friends. They just want to be with us. And we had more family time in like that one month, two month period than we probably have had since being, being together. And I know that's not true with everyone. And there's been, there was, I don't leave me downplay the loss that happened there. But, but for me, the silver lining and having to shut things down and losing and getting to see friends and all that sort of stuff was that I was able to spend a lot more time with my family. Some of y'all like that was the worst time because I had to spend a lot more time with my family. Um, I get that. That was university. All right. Um, you know, but thinking about how do you shift your mind and begin to ask yourself the question, what is the opportunity here in this adversity, right? How is it that you can come back stronger? What is it about your story, the things that you've gone through that maybe you can speak a word to and to help someone else as they're going through it? Paul talks about this again in uh, the first chapter. He says, and these are some of his famous lines from Philippians 1. He says, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body. And he says, whether by life or by death. And he's this famous line, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And yet I cannot say which one I choose. So I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire to depart and be with Christ, that's far better, but also to remain in the flesh is necessary with you, right? He goes on, he has this idea, right? He has this conflict of dying, of living. And you're like, dude, let's just plan on living, right? Um, but in all things, right, he's going to find the silver lining. He's going to find the good. He's going to look for the good that's there. In order for us to have a joy in the midst of adversity, we have to find this deep conviction within ourselves, right? Um, and be reminded that death has been swallowed up, that the, last, the worst thing is never going to be the last thing, and that we can indeed find some good there, right? Uh, so some examples of that before we wrap up, right? How do you find the good um, in whatever may happen, right? On the very serious notes, I remember being a hospital chaplain when I was a very young baby, a baby pastor in Charleston. And let me tell you something about hospital chaplains. They're incredible. I don't want to be a hospital chaplain because they deal with the adversity all the time, right? You almost never get called and say, someone's doing awesome. Come see them, right? It's always they're near the end. Come pray with them. Come do with them. And um, it was a tough time walking through with folks, but it was, I was always neat to see um, the good that came out of those sometimes, right? Um, the person who would tragically die, but then the family made a decision or the person already made a decision to be an organ donor. And they're finding out all the different folks or the way, you know, the six, seven people that would have a life or a better life, um, not causing their, their, their death, but because of it. And so finding some of the good things that happened. Um, I've always said, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was like six years old. Guess what? It sucked. Um, it wasn't a good thing. Don't ever recommend it. Right. Um, but one of the things I've learned from that being a product of that and, um, growing who I am is being able to speak to other people who were going through that and be able to walk them through and to say, guess what? It's not your fault. Your parents couldn't get along. You're still awesome. Um, and you're going to have a, a good life. And so helping to be able to coach them up and do those sort of things. And so I encourage you to think about what it is that you might be happening, struggling with, what have you been going through? 
Um, and what's your adversity and what opportunities God might be giving you to sort of work and way through that. Um, one of the things we do with our perspectives and after uh, talk for four weeks, we have perspectives. Part of the reason we do that is because as you go through your time here at school, you go through it, you learn, you grow, you do. And so we want you to share and learn from each other as you share ways in which you've been, maybe been through adversity and how you've come out and others can do the same way. So things to think about and to work on this week. Be reminded that joy comes from relationships. Joy comes from people. That's one of the ways that we get that, right? As we support each other, as you support one another, as you feel supported and as you give support, we find a sense of joy there. So who are you meant to be a Timothy to? Who are you meant to be an Ephroditus to this week that you can give some joy um, and how can you be like a part of the Philippian church was to Paul? Who can you be there this week? And then take some time to look at your life, examine your life, spend some time here, right? Um, and think about how can you find some opportunities in the midst of the adversity? How can you ask God to wring as much good as possible from whatever it is that you may be going through? Because you're already going through it and you want to end soon. I get that, right? But why not let God use that for good? Why not let whatever it is that you're going through be a, a sign of hope for someone else coming through it? Be the joy for someone else, give that joy, and then also decide to choose joy for yourself as you look for the good in the midst of your circumstances. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks once again for this night, for this day, for the chance to worship in a new space with old friends, with new friends. Uh, God, we confess that uh, sometimes we go through it and we're not ready to jump to joy. We don't see the good behind it. Uh, We don't see the opportunity uh, we get so caught up with ourselves that sometimes we forget that there are others out there that need our support, need our love, our care. We got to call our hearts. Give us wisdom and grace. Help us to see the people that you have put in our lives who you um, to support. And again, Lord, help us to see the good that you are doing in all things. We love you, praise you. Best in Christ's name. Amen. The Wesley Word is a production of the Clemson Wesley Foundation. For more information about Clemson Wesley, check out our website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, get out there and love your neighbor.